Hello, friends, enemies, countrymen, and welcome to another episode of Driver Picks the Podcast. This is a rare and elusive editing Jamie with an extra bonus PSA for you, the guys, this week. Sometimes, if you record an episode of a podcast via Zoom, it will fully fuck up the sound quality for you. And what is otherwise a delightful episode turns into something that sounds a bit like hot garbage. So thank you for your patience this week, and I hope you enjoy it regardless of the audio quality. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And today we are joined <laughs> by an extra special guest. We have KJ from over on Supernatural Opinions and fuck what's where were parents. I almost said Raising Winchesters. <laughs> I'm doing so good today, guys. Podcast baby. And you just callously <laughs> forgot about it. I nearly called it <laughs> Raising Winchesters. Yes. I'm like fully stealing Beth and Hannah and Sarah's like. She, she forgot which Beth she was for a mm, minute there. I did. I'm having a small <laughs> identity crisis, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> this is a safe space. What are we going to do next time I clarify which Beth I want and you answer for the other <laughs> Beth? <laughs> Instead of sending a Beth with a little kangaroo, I'll send Beth with an American flag and you'll just be really confused. <laughs> and today we are going to be discussing episode... 18 of season 5 of Supernatural titled Point of No Return. Jamie, KJ, what did you think? Okay, so I'm just going to start out and be really obnoxious on me for a bit. <laughs> Please do. We get Zachariah in this episode. I love Zachy boy. So much Zachariah. I have said over and over and over <laughs> again that I love Zachy boy. And everyone <laughs> looks at me like I've grown a third head when I say I love Zachy boy. But, like, come on. He is iconic. The entire opening scene, I fucking adore. It was so fucking ridiculous. They really lost me when they did the eyes on fire thing. Yeah. Up till then, I was, like, fully sold. I'm like, yes, I am all for this shit. He is so iconic. Every word out of his mouth, they're just like, we're going to make him the funniest motherfucker. They were really, like, every good line that we've ever thought of, we're giving to Zachariah. They really did not hold back on just being like, here is some quality content. We're giving it to Zachary Boy. Why does no one love Zachariah? Where is the proper Zachariah appreciation in this house? I did promise Jamie that uh, given this is also the Zachariah dies episode, um, (laughs) we could have like a segment of Zachariah appreciation specifically. Okay, so first of all, the first time that Jamie told me that she was a Zachariah fan. I did not get it. But then I believe shortly after that, I was re-watching this episode for some other reason. And I was like, you know, I kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like I ever fully appreciated Zachariah until I was watching with Jamie. And she was like, he's yeah. so good. I'm like, do you know what? You're actually making a great point. I forgot how fucking funny he is. He, like at this point in the series, I think he has to be my second favorite angel. Like Kat's obviously taking the top spot. But then I think Zachariah comes second. Like, <laughs> Zachary does, like, I have a very visceral reaction to him because I sort of hate him, but, like, in a way that I enjoy him. Yeah, he's like a Weasley little garbage man, but, like, I adore that about him. Yeah, exactly. But there are other angels who are supposed to be more or more likable or also Weasley little garbage men that I definitely enjoy way less. Like, so, yeah, I think Zachary is up there. What I kind of think might have honestly happened with Zachariah to make him this funny is, in like the office AU episode 
I feel like the writers really got into this corporate culture humor and then they're like oh we can do something with this yeah (laughs) they really cast Misha Collins as Cass and they were like "Mm, because Misha Collins looks like an accountant every other angel we cast now has to also look like an accountant (laughs) every angel in this episode I'm looking at them I'm going accountant literally Jamie actually said and I know this because I wrote it down in my notes she said when we were watching the episode she goes they really just be choosing dudes who look like accountants don't they and I was like you know what you're so correct but also it made me realize like Cass is actually quite stylish with his trench coat like it sets him apart as a pop of color like I know we make fun of him for his manky trench coat (laughs) but like honestly like it's a little bit it's a little bit of a fashion moment also, he takes his tie off this episode, and I swear to God, he looks like an entirely different person. Oh, absolutely. Fucks me up every time. taking off was wild. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he's stripping. What is happening right now? <laughs> Before we move on to Casper, we do just have to have a moment of silence. All right, Zachy boy, you will be yeah. missed. Actually, before we move on from Zachariah, I feel like there's some other stuff yeah. that we could we could touch <laughs> on in relation to him. I feel like some some Zaki highlights maybe. Zaki highlight reel. Zaki highlight reel. Gone but not forgotten. <laughs> he had a real some real moments in this episode. He's an absolute fact through that dream with Adam. Like nothing he said about the Winchesters was incorrect. Okay, I really want to touch on actually. Um, Jamie mentioned before, like heaven is like a corporate entity. I feel like yes. they are very much leaning into that, and that is certainly something that continues the rest of the show. Like, yeah, it's very much that's the vibe. That is the vibe. It's why everyone snatches up a vessel and then puts it in the same gray suit. Jamie, to put it into like a leverage perspective for you, it's very much like heaven is the shitty CEO they're always trying to take out every episode. Like that's <laughs> that's kind of the vibe. <laughs> like heaven is capitalism. <laughs> but no, I love the opening scene of this episode. Jamie mentioned before, like, it is just fucking iconic, and she's so right. I love every fucking moment that Zach is on screen this app, but particularly that opening sequence. Like, I love that he is somehow walking this line of both being so completely done with interacting with this, you know, human who, what did he what Pig did he filthy say? humans is how he That's describes right. Pig filthy humans, but he's also, like, low-key bonding. You know, like, he's like, oh my god, this man understands me. They're like, we've both been laid off from our jobs. We both have shitty bosses that don't appreciate our work. It's Zachary's defense. He's been given a very tough job. Yeah, well, it's high stress. And what compensation have we seen him get for that? Did he get a pay rise? No. Maybe the angels need to unionize. Responsible for, like, getting the Winchesters in fucking line. Like, the Winchesters fucking known for, like, not getting in fucking line. I know. They literally set him an impossible task and they were like, you haven't achieved it yet? You're fired. I'd like to see someone else do literally any better at getting the Winchesters to do what they want. (laughs) Genuinely. Like, God himself can't get these dudes to do what they're supposed to, but they think Zach should be able to? Like, what kind of fuckery (laughs) is that? Also, I just want to say, the actor who plays Zach. We should look him up. Phenomenal. What's his name? He's so good. Like, the acting of Zachy Boy is just iconic on every level. Really great acting, I agree. Yeah. His name is Kurt Fuller. Good job, Kurt Fuller. You were a highlight in an otherwise shitty show. <laughs> oh, what a weird compliment. <laughs> I also want to make a quick note. Like, the human that he's talking to, the human's name is Stuart. Mm-hmm. And something about that is, is just delightful to me. I don't know. It might just be because I associate the name Stuart with Stuart Little. 
you know but and like the way that Zachariah like views humans as rodents you know like I feel like that's a fun little tie but I love that Zachariah like genuinely sounded interested in Stuart looking to explore the possibility of the internet like I just think that's really funny he's like really and I think that in a timeline where Stuart lived I think that the internet is a better place you know I feel like he would have done some good yeah he would have definitely become... wouldn't own Twitter if Stuart had yeah. lived. He would have become Stuart Jobs. <laughs> I would just like to say, like, Kurt Fuller um, has over 200 actor credits on IMDb. Like, the man is fucking busy. <laughs> he deserves every single one of them. Yeah, he's been on an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Um, he's been on, like, Law and Order. It's a shame he wasn't in the um, Changing Channels then. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he literally has 211 actor credits and then 13 credits as himself i love that for him yeah he was also in ghostbusters too so that's fun what a wild resume this man has yeah it's incredible i also love the moment that he literally pulls the piece of broken glass out of the cup so he can finish his drink and then just like pops it back in and like walks on out of the room like so chill zachariah is an icon and I love him and every single time I see him I am vividly reminded of Jamie being furious at Cass for saying that Uriel is the funniest angel in Garrison because you're so right. No chance that Uriel is funny. I mean maybe technically Zachariah isn't in the Garrison but like it's got to be that right because there's no way that Uriel is ever funnier than no. <laughs> I mean it could be like a it's funnier in an Okian scenario but somehow I doubt it. Not a chance. I guarantee that Inanokian Zachariah is equally as funny as he currently is, which automatically <laughs> makes him the funniest angel. Oh, and also, when uh, we see Zach, I noticed it when he's talking to Adam on the park bench, which, first of all, what is it with angels sitting on park benches? I think you're treated by humanity, and, like, a park is a place where you can sit and watch mm. people live their lives. Because, like, we've seen it happen a couple of times with Cass specifically, but also, like, later in the series, we get, like, a couple of other examples of angels just kind of casually sitting on park benches. And I was like, what is this? As, like, a weird thematic. I'm also getting a violent flashback to Dean being unable to sit on a park bench normally in, I think it's Dead in the Water? Or is it Bloody Mary? No, it's uh, Bloody Mary. Mm. Mm. No, it's one of the two. Oh, yeah, he's sitting on the back of it, right? Like, oh, Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we made the joke because he's queer and he can't sit on a chair normally. Yeah, that was Jamie's yeah. first queer Dean note. <laughs> <laughs> but in that moment, I realised, because we get like a relatively close-up shot of him speaking to Adam, and the tie that he's wearing has a pattern on it that's kind of uh, resembles eyes. And I thought that that was a really interesting choice from the costume department because, like, of the whole thing where, like, angels have a thousand eyes. Biblically accurate. Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, I really love when they use, like, the set and the costuming to show what an angel looks like without, you know, using a bunch of CGI kind of thing. Yeah. It's like when he sits in the season finale of season four, I think, or one of the end episodes of season four, whenever we first get the, like, green room. And he sits and there's like the mirror that shows the reflections upon reflections. Like, I love that. And in this episode with the tie, I was like, oh, it's like symbolic of the thousand eyes. Like, it's just fun. And I just really like it. Actually, Jamie made a point today when we were watching where she said, why does the set department always go off? (laughs) They understood the assignment when no one else gave a shit. (laughs) The set department was really like, oh, is no one else going to have pride in their work? No, it's me. (laughs) I feel like that's something I hear from, like, the actors on this show all the time when they talk about, like, their time on the show. 
the people who aren't the cast like really did genuinely care about the show like the crew were in here doing the thing like oh yeah 100 they're in here reading the scripts and stuff and like above and beyond shit so like that's really nice to hear and it's really nice that it's paying off and we're like yes we like this very specific thing that is happening Mm -hmm. the shot with the angel wings in the like green room or i think the gaslighting room is what we normally call it on the (laughs) podcast with the wings going up the wall oh yes oh yeah second so good there i will never let a scene of like angel burnout wings go by without commenting on how great that is i think it's one of the most effective things the show does yeah i think this show is always the most effective when it just shows us enough to like let us get away with it without like fully cgiing something so like we never see the wings except for in the shadows or when they're burnt or like we never see Mm -hmm. hellhounds but like we see like breath or we see like dean's hair like ruffle because like there's a hellhound like two inches from his face but we don't see it like i think that's way better than like a cgi dog like yeah age is better too anytime (laughs) they get the opportunity to use actual practical effects it just it looks way better like this episode the first bar scene when everything's shaking it looks so good when it's just like the light's beaming and it's all shaking and it like starts small and it goes bigger and bigger and the sound comes through with that and it's like like a mosquito on a steroids like (laughs) or like you're standing in a room full of australians yeah that's really effective and then they have the shot where the eyes are on fire and you're like okay you've just lost me <laughs> jerry's like i was so with you up until this point <laughs> up, up until the eyes being on fire thing like like i get what you're trying to show but also and that's just like a we're watching this episode well over a decade mm. after it first aired so yeah. it's just technology has aged at the time that would have been like way more effective than it is now i suppose just because of where where media was and this is not just supernatural, this is across the board. 99% of the time, practical effects will always age better than yeah. any kind of CGI yeah. because technology will always progress. So mm-hmm. eventually those effects will look bad kind of regardless <laughs> just because the bar is raised. But practical yeah. stuff will always look practical. Yeah. I mean, literally they filmed the first two seasons of the show on like legit film cameras. Like, Yeah. Really severely limited what CGI they could actually use just based on yeah. the medium. Like, the show is agent. <laughs> it really is. To be fair, though, at the time, digital was standard. They were just like, mm. Oh, yeah, no, they were just doing it to be bougie. And... They did it for the aesthetic. Okay, not to derail us again. No, okay. please. No, this is the show where we never get derailed. Always stay strictly on topic. In case we weren't recording, when I talked about the fact that I started watching Bridgerton for the first time this weekend, um, yeah. I think we might have not been recording yet, but yeah. I was complaining to Moira because I'm like, something camera is like throwing me off something about the way that this camera at work is happening like every once in a while and I'm like it's really bright (laughs) you're like there's too much color (laughs) supernatural and like game of thrones have actually fucking ruined my perception of how bright the tv should need to be (laughs) though while we are talking very vaguely about direction it's been a while since I've actually talked about direction on the podcast it's been a long time I honestly didn't even look up to see who directed this episode which is so I have no idea I don't know who wrote it and I don't know who directed it we should have actually checked that there were just a lot of directing choices this week that I didn't love like I think the writing of this week was really really good and if it's someone like fucking Darb I'm gonna take that all back (laughs) because I cannot be on the record complimenting Darb you know what Jeremy Carver okay yeah that makes sense So I think like the writing and a lot of the set and that those sort of decisions are really good. But some of the direction choices, I'm like, do we really need shaky cam right now? The direction is that the choice? 
So the director was Phil Scrazia, who is actually like quite a mm. name in Supernatural yeah. in terms of direction. But it's, I agree with you. Like, I think especially the scene, and this was the one where you mentioned yeah. to me, like, oh, the direction here is not great. Where if Cass... you, We watch together if you can't tell, because I have no Wi-Fi. <laughs> anyway, so Cass is going to, like, investigate what's happening, because there's that whole scene where he, like, looks like he's got, like, a migraine or whatever, and Dean is like, are you okay? Which, by the way, that's the only thing that so far has pulled Dean out of the fucking funk he's oh, been God. in the whole oh, episode. Oh, my God, he's so fucking suicidal. We actually talk about that before we talk about Cass because I have so many things to say about Dean. Yes. Can I can I make my point about the direction? Yes, and then we can, yes. Cass like goes to investigate what's happened, and that's like when he finds Adam and stuff. But like you can sort of see that the ground is like moving, right? Like where Adam mm-hmm. is like trying to get up. And like that's cool. But it's really hard to focus on because the camera around him is so shaky. Oh yeah, we're going through a lot of stuff there. Yeah, the like the shakiness of the camera in that moment is so distracting for me and I was like this is like a point where I would want it to be really steady because you're trying to see a relatively subtle movement in the ground you know and like there's a lot of movement because of the fighting and stuff like but I can't really focus on it because I'm so distracted by the fact that the actual frame is moving so I I mean maybe it's supposed to be disorientating maybe that's the point I think it is the point but um again props to the set department for like the homage to uh Lazarus Rising well, they're really trying to convince us this week that they're just going to replace Dean with Adam. With Adam. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, KJ, you want to talk about Dean. And you know, <laughs> I never don't want to talk about Dean, so. I have a whole fanfic where I like basically like wrote this episode and then like diverged around Dean waking up in the manic room. And like, it's like all Dean's POV through this whole suicidal day. So I have, I have so many thoughts about this, but I think my, my biggest concern is that Dean checks the gun and then puts it in the box. And I'm pretty sure I saw that there was still a bullet in that magazine, in that clip. I have no idea. I wasn't looking that close, to be honest. Either way, I feel like, loaded or not, I feel like you can't mail a gun. I know we're both from, <laughs> like, no one here is an expert on the U.S. Postal Service, but I feel like mailing a firearm might be against even the somewhat lax American. I was stressed about mailing you guys various snacks. I was like, is this gonna get pulled up in customs? Am I gonna get in trouble? Like, let alone mailing a fucking gun. (laughs) Firearm is just kind of frowned upon. It cannot be that easy to transport a firearm. I just I'm just imagining like you're a postal worker and like you're putting the package through the like, you know, scanning machine to like make sure there's no like whatever illicit substances Mm -hmm. or whatnot in there. And you find a gun, and so you open the box to, like, you know, check it, and you find everything else that's in that box, like... Again, I know the laws in the US are different, and I'm not super familiar with them, but, like, who's that gun registered to? Oh, yeah, good point. (laughs) I'm assuming, though, that the serial number's been filed off. Oh, yeah, that's another good point. But also, like, Bobby's real name and address were on the box, (laughs) Yeah, so it doesn't matter who that gun's registered to. It's getting shipped to Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> I might have some questions for the guy who's receiving a gun, car keys, and a jacket. In a box. Along with a suicide note, we have to assume. I'm like, I hope part of this note is addressed to Sam. It does seem like a lengthy note, but like, poor Sam, if not. <laughs> Did you know what? Here's the thing. My note about this scene is, oh my god, I forgot he made up a box of sadness with then like the bawling, crying eyes <laughs> emoji. But here's the thing. My next quote is, kind of hate the music though. Personally, I feel like the scene itself is very sad, obviously. This is. Obviously, they didn't use Dean's theme though. Well, that's a good fucking point. 
right? I feel like Dave's name would have been just perfect here, like Chef's Kiss, it would have made a lot of sense. But I don't know, something about the music, I don't know if it was just like a little too loud or what, but like, I was like, oh, I feel like it takes away a little bit. To be fair, this could be because I was watching with Jamie. And so when we're watching an episode and cracking jokes to each other, it does kind of change the mood of how you view an episode, which is why we normally watch separately. But yeah, something about it just didn't quite, didn't quite hit. Like as sad as the scene is, I think it's interesting that like they show him packing up, essentially like putting his whole life in a box. It's just uh, something else. Additional question about the car keys because did you take the car when he ran or did he I can't remember it was the end of the previous episode I didn't go back he he took the Impala he took the car so the car is gonna be in the wherever Dean says yes wherever that yes is gonna go down he's mailing the keys to Bobby Sam's gonna go fucking looking for the car and it'll have to be Sam because Bobby can't drive at the moment so like I mean either Sam or Cass I guess Good for them to have something to do, I guess, because either way, <laughs> the three of them are going to be fucked up by this. And we've learned from previous experience that uh, Sam does need to be kept busy when Dean's dead. Sam needs to take up some kind of hobby. Like, he needs to get really into, like, jigsaw puzzles or something, because otherwise, you know. Yeah. I mean, they are dangerously codependent, in the words of Zachary Boy this week. <laughs> I do like Sam just showing up. Like, Sam's like, yeah, I can do the fucking math. I know who you would go to visit. I also do really enjoy Dean's goodbye to her. Okay, interesting that you say that. Neither Jamie or I liked it. So I would love to hear your thoughts. See, it's not really like it. It's that I have a theory that Dean and Cass sleep together off screen in this episode. And I just feel like it it fits nicely in there. I thought you were talking about Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I mean, I was. I just feel like, you know, we got to go through all the motions before we can get there, you know? The compulsory strike just really popped out there, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, I like to think that Dean also stopped and, like, spoke to Cassie, and we, like, we just didn't get that part. I don't know. Like, personally, I don't imagine that he would have gone and seen Cassie, but I also don't think he should have gone to see Lisa, because all he did was stress her out for no good reason. No fucking good reason. I appreciate him making like a condition to his yes that they're gonna be okay but you can do that without telling them that anything's gonna not be okay that they were ever in danger of any kind so yeah so i don't know i don't personally i don't love it but maybe that's maybe that's amazing yeah no i'm really here just to make it a death now (laughs) thing i love that i think that there is some really interesting meta to come out of this episode and i really want to talk about it while we're still talking about dean so Basically, Dean is not in a good spot, right? I think that's uh What do you mean? mean? He's as emotionally and mentally healthy as he's ever been. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like maybe that's... The bar's not that high. Well, that's no. true. But yes, in this particular episode, Dean is not doing great. And we've talked about before, like, when Dean is, like, uncomfortable or whatever, he will crack jokes, basically, to, to flip the table on, like, whoever he's up against, right? This episode really isn't any different, except he's fighting with Bobby, Sam, and Cass. And Dean knows exactly what buttons to press that will upset them the most. Yeah, it's a combination of cracking jokes and lashing out so no one has any time to be sad. Like, I think I literally wrote a note that said, like, this is just Dean at the end of season three when his demon deal was up. Like, it's just this. (laughs) It's an ongoing character trait. Like, we know this about him. He's been doing it forever. But the thing about this is, 
the first person he like comes at is Bobby and he makes the point of like you're not my father right like and you see Bobby's reaction and like Bobby's reaction is just heartbreaking and that's pointed like Dean is doing that pointedly. and then we go to Sam's face too like we go from Bobby's face to Sam's face who is equally more visibly upset than Bobby like and then Dean also tells Sam that he's like I don't believe in you I don't know if it's going to be demon blood or some other demon chick or what, but you're angry and you're self-righteous. And like, Sam is like, you know, you can't say this to me. Like, I can't hear this from you. Like he's going for the low blows. Like he is absolutely cutting deepest. I have like a two second point that I'm going to make before you continue. Go on. If it is another demon chick, I vote Meg. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. Which brings us to Cass, right? (laughs) And how does Dean get at Cass? He asked him to blow him. He asks him to blow him, which Cass is like, kudos to Misha's fucking acting in this moment because the reaction that he has on his face is so funny. Gay panic. Gay panic. I cannot watch the scene without seeing the blooper reel. Like, yeah, the blooper reel. Does Jamie <laughs> know that scene from the blooper reel? I paused the episode to tell her about it. It's private, but I haven't seen it. I will maybe show her um, after we finish up here. It is truly incredible. But yeah, that's all I see now. But once we get to the panic room, yeah. That wink was not necessary, Jensen Ackle. Mm-hmm. Ejecting Joyce is a strong Exactly. <laughs> like, the whole point is, like, you know, Cass, last time someone looked at me like that, I got laid. The look intensifies, and then there's a wink, and then Cass slams the door in his face. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so hang on a minute. The way we got to Bobby was by being like, you're not my real dad. The way we get to Sam is by being like, I don't believe in you, I don't trust you. Like, essentially... Even in the motel room, like, before Sam and Cass, like, brought Dean back to Bobby's, like, Dean was, like, pushing Sam's buttons that kind of way Yeah, exactly. But it's in that very specific way of, like, I don't believe in you, I don't trust you, which is, like, basically the light version of the phone call that the angels manipulated Sam into hearing at the end of season Mm -hmm. four, right? Oh, God, I've never met. (laughs) Yeah, so we know that that's what's going to hurt Sam the most. But then the way he gets to Cass is by microaggressing him by basically being like, I know you have a crush on me and it sucks, doesn't it? Like, fuck? (laughs) Like Jeremy Carver. And then also in this episode, we get the scene where Cass is beating him up and he looks like he's into it. Oh my God, the homoeroticism of that. Here's my kind of like secret headcanon about this episode. Your secret headcanon? Well, that's not going to be a secret anymore. Well, I'm not going to be able to talk about this on my podcast for so fucking long that I might as well just get it out in public here. <laughs> you got to establish it here and then you can pull uh, back in your own podcast. Yeah, I'm hoping if people are mad about it, they can be mad at you guys. <laughs> no, please don't be mad at me on my Twitter. I'll defend my choices. <laughs> I love how you're like, okay, so I'm going to do it here so that you cop the flash and it's <laughs> bad. Like, people don't like it. Sandy's like, I'm going to test the water here and then we'll see how it goes before I put it on my own podcast. But also, I'm at SBN Opinions on Twitter. Come fight me. I mean, to me, though, we're just basically doing what the CW did. We're the focus group. <laughs> but I kind of have a theory that Dean and Cass do sleep together in this episode. And then, like, Dean has some, like, wildly, like, post-one-night stand reaction. He's having a gay panic. Mm. I mean, to be fair, Dean does think this is going to be his last night on Earth. Oh, exactly. You're so right. And he is so famous for last night on Earth. And I just see him having some, like, reaction. I just see him, like, being very aggressive with Cass and then Cass shutting up for the next 10 years about 
everything. But like, here's the thing, right? They knew what they were doing because speaking on the blooper reel, this is also the episode where we get that bit when they come back to Bobby's and Sam's like, what happened to him? And Cass is like, me, you know, and like Dean's all like beat up or whatever. Like that scene is where we get the blooper where Jensen's like, oh, like we're missing the gay angel. And Misha is like, you mean gay, like happy, right? And Jensen's like, oh yeah, totally. And then he like winks at the camera very dramatically. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, they knew. I I never believe Jensen or Misha or really anyone else who's ever played like a bi-coded character who's like, oh, we were never playing it that way. Like, yeah. yes, you fucking were. You knew what you were doing. We have the fucking blooper reel. Jamie <laughs> actually said this episode, she was like, oh, I see where the gaslighting is really starting to come in. <laughs> this is the beginning of the true queer baiting, I think, because this was the point where it's like, you can point at it and be like, no, they knew they were doing it by this point. Yeah, it's no longer just like, okay, there's just the, like a queer vibe about Dean. Mm. It's like, oh no, they're making jokes that are like very, very queer. Yeah. Even if you weren't going to say it about, like, Dean, you can definitely see that they're doing it to Cass. Yeah. Because that's the point mm-hmm. of this scene. It's like they had an inkling back in Changing Channels with um, Pretty Boy Angel. Yeah. And they've yeah, just, yeah. like, slowly, like, ramped it up. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is the time where it's, like, you can point to that and you can go, oh, well, if they weren't aware, why are they making that joke? I mm-hmm. think 503 Pretty Be You and Me is really, yes. like, the turning point. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The Burton and Ernie and Thelma and Louise. Oh, that's also a Carver episode, actually. Yeah. A little bit for me as well is the Chuck episode in season four. 418. Yeah, 418. When Dean and Cass have that very, like, not conversation about how to save Sam from Lilith. That's a Julie Siege episode, yeah. Yeah. And her list of episodes is also insane. <laughs> but yeah. Like, it's like the little, it's like those little things like that that make me just go, okay, like. What's fascinating is you can look at the episodes and you can start to draw lines about, like, who was on whose team. Yeah. Like, who's working together and where does everyone's opinions fall? Yes. And you can, like, actually be like, okay, yeah, no, no. Ben Edmund and Sarah Gamble, they're working together. Darren and Kahoot. Yeah, and I would argue so is Carver because, yeah. like, we have, I mean, we joke a lot about, like, you know, the Sarah Gamble long con and yada yada, and we kind of have, like, for each of the major writers, or at least the writers that become showrunners, we've kind of got, like, a joke yeah. for each of them at this point. Yeah, yeah. But with Carver, like, the joke has been that he just hates Sam because in almost every Carver episode, you can guarantee that Sam gets either sidelined to a B-plot or he's just not in the episode somehow. He got sidelined to a B-plot this week. Yeah. Yeah, right? Also, I think we can add Harbour to our list of known writer hellers because he gave yeah. us going to be you and me. He's given us this episode. And also I mentioned to Jamie earlier today because we were talking about this and she was like, oh my God, this is so gay. And I was like, she's mentioned like, you told me this isn't even the gayest it gets. And I was like, no, no, the gay quote unquote season of Supernatural was season eight, which was then superseded by season yeah. 12. But that is the first of Carver's era. So I... Yeah. And also arguably not a great time for Sam. So <laughs> like the more we think about it, I'm like, oh no, this was this is the Carver Longcon. Like he's a heller yeah. who doesn't really sideline like Sam. Sam. And like Which he does. He fully sidelines Sam and this like Sam's in the episode, obviously. But if you actually look at the amount of screen time Sam gets versus the amount of screen time Dean Cass and Bobby get. Or even, I think Zachariah gets more screen time in this episode than Sam does. Easily, I think. Which is no, fascinating yeah, that so you, known Sam Gurley, have chosen yeah. 
No, I think I think that the Sam, the moments Sam has in this episode are very touching. Some of them yeah. and like important and like good Sam moments. I actually yeah. think, but he also just doesn't get a lot of screen time this way. Hmm. Honestly, I think that's better though. I would rather see less of Sam and have him like have important shit to do than have him just be hanging around awkwardly third wheeling and have nothing to fucking do. I would rather have my quality Sam over quantity of Sam. <laughs> Here's the thing, I I agree with you, and I you know I love Sam. I I do love him, but sometimes he's so stupid. I have some grievances with him in this particular episode, not gonna lie. I know that's shocking from me, but I have some grievances. <laughs> and the episode, he goes to Dave, like, you think Adam's okay? And my note is, like, Sam is so stupid, love heart. Like, uh, babe. No. <laughs> what about this entire situation says Adam is okay? Though I do want to say, I think this is actually, like, I've speculated, I've guessed, I think this is going to solidify into a full prediction. I think next time we see Adam, he's going to be possessed by Michael. Like, I don't think he can have that ending like that without Adam getting possessed by Michael. Because we know that, like, Adam is a Michael-suitable vessel. Even if he's not the vessel, even if he's not the source, he is a Michael-compatible vessel, much the same way that Nick is for Lucy. The angels weren't weren't totally fucking lying. Like, there was some truth to what they were saying. And actually, kudos to you, Jamie, because you've been touching on this basically since we had Adam introduced, which I think the last time KJ was with us, you were like, oh, but like, that Why means... the fuck would they confirm that he is John Winchester's kid if yeah. that's not important? And then recently when we covered 513, you made the point again, you were like, no, no, well, definitely, like, if John's bloodline is important, that means Adam is a viable vessel. So kudos to you. Yeah. Though I do think this is the perfect time to segue into, we really need a theme song for this. Jamie and KJ hate John Winchester. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I feel like we just need like a specialized segment only for when you're on. <laughs> to be like, okay, this is like our designated time to rag on John Winchester for like a hot minute. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we need like an official debate about what's better. Uh, only seeing John once a year and him only taking you to baseball games and not ever parroting you or... John coming home drunk and teaching you to fight bots. <laughs> oh my god. I, I think we just gotta say straight up off the bat, Adam had the better deal. Like, <laughs> oh, I agree. Adam had a mom, at least. Yeah. So he at least had a parent. And yeah, she was busy. Dean and Sam also only saw John once in a while, but they didn't have anyone actually caring for them. Okay, no. And they didn't get to go to a baseball game. Yeah. I have a fucking they point about off. this. I promise <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to make my one intense point and then I'm going to let you guys go nuts and I'm going to shut up and sit in them and listen to you because I can't wait for that. <laughs> but not Adam sitting there describing Sam's childhood with John to his face. Like Adam being like, oh, you know, my mom like worked really hard and I made my own dinner and like, put myself to bed kind of thing and I'm like if you replace Adam's mom with Dean Dean? you're literally just saying the same thing like oh yeah Dean looked after Sam and then John would show up like every once in a fucking while to like pretend he was a parent basically and then Adam's like I would have given anything to have my dad more often and it's like okay but you're literally you wouldn't have changed anything it wouldn't have changed anything you would have just had a mother in Dean and then John fucking around like, that's, that's the same upbringing. <laughs> like, Adam definitely had the better end of the stick, you know? Oh, but, like... Hands down. I can't believe that this was even up for discussion, and I can't believe that, like, Dean was in the building and didn't, like... Well, Dean was locked in the panic room, so... <laughs> he like, levitate through the fucking floor. <laughs> I feel like he could sense it. He's like, 
my jump senses they're tingling <laughs> so, so we're, if we're ranking childhoods I definitely think it goes Adam is at the top and yeah. then Sam and then Dean like Dean had the worst childhood of the three yeah and like if they had an older than Dean brother then like it would probably go like Sam Dean that brother yeah <laughs> like they really were like, oh, well, I only got him like once in a while. And when I saw him, he wasn't abusive to me. He was just kind of not there. And he took me to a baseball game. Oh, my God. I'm surprised Sam didn't turn around in that moment and say, look, when I wanted to go to college, he disowned me. Like, <laughs> I love the yeah. line where Adam says, I don't have a father. If I do my job right, I get to see her again. And she's the one I give a rat's ass about. First of all, Dean's reaction off of that line is so interesting to me because like, <laughs> yeah like that's how he feels about Mary yeah. you know like if he exactly. could do anything to see his mom again he doesn't give it he doesn't give a shit about John and then I was like lol imagine having one good memory of John <laughs> but also <laughs> Sam says like dad was trying to protect you and then Adam goes well I guess the monster that ate my face didn't get the memo and that's so funny what's so funny <laughs> though is that he's so certain that John was trying to protect Adam like, John didn't leave them in the hunting zone of a child-eating streamer when they were children. Mm. Yeah. I I don't think I can ever emotionally recover from Sam saying the one thing worse than seeing Dan once a year was seeing him all year. That's some abusive parent bullshit, if I've ever heard it. Yeah. But John was just a good man trying his best. <laughs> no, that is a kid who is terrified because his drunk father is going to come home and, like, be horrifically abusive to them. And, like, we know because now Jamie has seen Dark Side of the Moon, we know that Sam didn't even see the worst parts of it because Dean was protecting him from it. Like, those times when Sam ran away and Dean copped it and, like, to the point where, like, Dean didn't even tell Sam how bad it got. And the implication that John beat the hell out of him is so fucking loud in that episode. Yeah. I can't imagine that Dean would ever have let John treat Sam like that. So he's going to stand, he's going to get in between them. And he's going to take that copping and he ain't going to tell Sam. I do want to say, in an update that nobody needed, we do have a definitive answer. The best sort of baseball bat to beat John Manchester to death with is, in fact, a bejeweled baseball bat. So bejeweled, bedazzled, like, it's got to be sparkly. We did we did get an answer on that one on the Twitter poll. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to know that we do have an answer about that. The listener base has spoken. Um, we did get a winner. Sam in this episode immediately cracks under the pressure of both of his siblings wanting to say yes to an archangel. Like oh he God. can't fucking handle it. He also both of the boys are super mean to Bobby in this episode. Obviously, so Dean says you're not my father to Bobby's face, which excuse me, sir, that is absolutely your father. Mm -hmm. That's not how you talk to your father, young man. <laughs> but then when Adam like gets taken by Zachariah, Sam's like all mad at Bobby, and Bobby's like the guy disappeared into thin air like literally oh my God. into thin air what the fuck did you want me to do Sam Winchester I know <laughs> I love I love the line that we get from Bobby where he's like you might have noticed he's got a slight height advantage Monster that was cuff him to the chair the other part about this which has aged so beautifully is is Sam being like what do you mean he's gone and Bobby's being like what do you want me to tell you in Spanish <laughs> I mean Sam does canonically speak Spanish, so... I did have to explain the Spanish dub to Moira the other day. I mean, I think she knew what it was, but because we'd watched 1518, I got to, like, go through the Spanish dub again and relive mm -hmm. that, and it was beautiful. I am very sad that we won't get a lot of Zaki boy now. Like, I'm assuming yeah, he's, like, dead bummer. then. 
which is sad looked pretty dead. <laughs> usually the angel wing on the ground thing is usually a pretty good indication day. like he got stabbed <laughs> by an angel blade he had the light flashy thing like oh i have a question it's the same issue that I had with the Colt at the end of season one when Sam shot John in the leg with the Colt. Like, why didn't that kill Azazel, though? And it's like, well, the wound's not fatal, I guess. But, like, it's the magic demon kill anything bullet. Like, it, should, it shouldn't matter. And that's how I feel about the angel blades and the angels. Like, the angel grace is not located in one specific part of the body. I feel like any stab with the angel blade should be somewhat fatal. You have a giant celestial being compressed into a human being i feel like the whole body should be susceptible <laughs> what they've shown of us of the angel blade so far it needs to be stabbed for a certain amount of time like it needs time to like fully kill the angel it does blade. seem like it also has to be center of mass because St- Cass stabbed that first angel in the leg um, outside the green room beautiful room whatever you want to call it and then like had to stab him again to kill him See, for me, location shouldn't be important. What should be important is, like, time. Like, it takes a certain amount of time to kill with the angel blade before that, because otherwise the angel can sort of self-heal. They have enough power to do that. So, like, I feel like as long as you stabbed them for long enough, it doesn't matter where you should stab them. You know what I mean? I agree. Like, I feel like I feel like getting stabbed through the leg out the other side should be a stab enough to be deadly. I mean, to be fair, though, not all the angels are as stabbable as Sam Winchester. Yes. It is one of, like, the only good ways to kill him, actually. <laughs> like, everyone keeps on trying to kill him with, like, magic juju shit. Just stab him. He's he's perfectly stabbable. I think people go that route with the Winchesters, to be honest. I do feel like too many people do try to do magic or, like, I don't know, otherwise fuck with it. With both of them, honestly. And, like, I don't know, like, a good gunshot or stabbing or, like, I don't know, try a two-by-four to the head. I mean, Sam just have an unnaturally hard head. My thing is always, like, Sam Winchester can't make it to an old age because if he does, he's going to get that thing that football players get when they've had too many concussions. To be fair, like, maybe blurry wife is blurry just because he can't see her properly because of all the concussions. <laughs> no. Look, new head cannon. I genuinely think the reason that blurry wife is blurry is because Sam can't see her properly because of all the concussions. I mean, I like that better than her just being blurry because the writers hate women. I mean... They have a moment in this episode where they list out all of the people who have quote-unquote died for them. And it's like, John, lady, 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 lady. It's like, okay, yeah. I love that they don't list Ash there. Maybe it's because in Dark Side of the Moon they get the confirmation that Ash is chill with them getting him killed. And there was people they left off that fucking list, I feel like, that were minorly important. I just feel like this episode, like... They sort of really flip-flop a lot in this show about whether we're meant to like John or hate John. And then this episode was like, no, we're meant to hate John. Yeah. I think we should add that in as part of the Jeremy Carver Longcon. I did realise we mentioned the Carver Longcon earlier. Sam has a line in this episode where Dean is like, all you've ever done is run away. And Sam was like, yeah, but I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And I was like, wow, that's going to age poorly for Sam. And do you know what? It's going to age poorly for Sam in Carver era. So I'm yeah. just I'm just putting it in there. I do think this might be his end, his long game. It's not going to age well. And also, like, that's not the worst thing you've done, Sam. Which no. <laughs> the most recent thing you've done. At the end of the episode, Dean and Sam are in the car. And Dean's like, you've grown up and I'm not, like, I was always worried about you and, like, making sure you, like, stayed on the right path and, like, now, like, you having faith in me proves to me that you're an adult. And I was like, 
This one is so much better. Like, I'm Sam Sam. I am specifically a demon blood Sam Stan. But I think I would have trusted Sam to, with his own fate a lot better, like, pre-demon blood addiction. Mm-hmm. I feel like Sam already pretty emphatically proved that he actually cannot be trusted yeah. <laughs> to guide himself on the correct path. The second Dean died, he was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to sleep with a demon and also get addicted to demon blood. The second that Sam doesn't have a parental figure, like, guiding him onto the correct course, he's like, let me do something chaotic and unhinged. And even this episode, I mean, he technically did the right thing, but, like, Bobby and Cass were both, like, Dean should not be let out of the panic room. I fucking love Cass and Bobby both telling Sam he's making bad decisions and Sam being like, yeah, well... (laughs) So if, funny to if me. I don't make bad decisions, who's gonna make the bad decisions? <laughs> like, um, is anyone else gonna forward the plot? No, guess I'll do it. So while we are talking about Sam letting Dean out of the panic room, mm-hmm. we do need to address the fact that Sam, while at almost his strongest, was not able to get out of the panic room when he was still hopped up on demon blood. He needed Cass to help him get oh, out no. of the panic room. <laughs> Dean just fully manages to trick Cass into letting him out essentially here's the thing about that though Dean's entire plan to get out hinged on knowing Cass would come check on him yeah (laughs) yeah Sam and Bobby would not have gone in there his entire escape plan and he had to premeditate it because he'd already drawn the sigil and he'd like he smashed the lamp to make it look like you know whatever and I was like oh my god R.I.P. lamp but also the symbolism like we've had him tip (laughs) the angel statue off the desk now he's smashed a lamp and we know all about lamp oh that's good for lamp theory (laughs) that's great for lamp theory and then Cass goes in and he's already drawn the sigil he's literally waiting for him which means his entire escape plan hinged on knowing that Cass would come make sure he was okay but also knowing Cass would go by himself because if Sam or Bobby had been there he wouldn't have been able to just walk straight out he had to know that Cass would come and Cass would come alone I was thinking about this you might have addressed this earlier in the season I'm not sure if the panic room's been relevant yet this season before now but Bob's built this whole panic room and he actually can't currently get to it because it's in the basement and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like maybe Sam and Dean should consider building a main level panic room because, like, Bobby's in a wheelchair. And, like, I trust Bobby to be good in a fight no matter what's going on. But, like, I do recognize that he maybe has some physical limitations at the moment. And I feel like it'd be really great if Bobby had a safe place in his own fucking house to go to, especially considering how things have been recently. <laughs> yeah. I also just want to point out that, by and large, the p- panic room that he built has now been used ex- almost exclusively to lock his son's yeah. in. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Literally, it was useless when they actually needed somewhere safe in the house to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs a ramp. He needs some wheelchair accessibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, is that going to be your PSA? No. Oh. Why would I say my PSA now without the <laughs> fan of my PSA, which brings me to my PSA <laughs> of the day? Hey, JF, what do you think it is this week? Uh, um, you brought this on yourself. I know. It's a problem, <laughs> but I got excited because I didn't have a guess for your PSA. <laughs> Okay, so it's not accessibility. I want to say, like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, because, like, Zachariah. Zachariah has done nothing wrong in his life ever. <laughs> <laughs> Why you just, like, fully scam Adam into yeah. being the Michael Vessel? <laughs> Look, he was just being a dedicated employee. I do have things to say about Adam, but I want to hear the PSA first. I have zero ideas about your PSA. Like, okay. head empty, no thoughts. Okay. 
Do you have any guesses this week, KJ? No, no, I don't. I don't even know where to guess. One of you, between the two of you, have to have a single guess. Don't queerbait. (laughs) (laughs) Which, shockingly, is not a PSA we've had yet. No, it's it's not a PSA we've had yet. And it's not going to be our PSA this week either, unfortunately. Okay. This week, our PSA is unionize. Oh, so I kind of mentioned it earlier. (laughs) That's a great one, honestly. It's very topical Mm -hmm. given the current WGA strike. I yeah, mean, yeah. also, we know what happens last time the union went on strike. We got Castile, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> what a turning point in, in history that was. Mm. <laughs> and she went to hell. I mean, to be fair, like, that was very traumatic for Dean. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> I do want to talk about Adam. Okay. Please, go go ahead. When Adam first, like, woke up in Bobby's and he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to save the world with an archangel. Like, it was, like, going to be some, like, simple thing to do. I know he's like so matter of fact about it he's like yeah and what about it (laughs) I love that Dean is like I've been rejecting this dude all season but I'm still kind of low-key offended that he'd replace me yeah literally (laughs) well I'd be right on the verge of saying yes as well which is just like a thing what's so funny is if they hadn't pulled this bullshit Dean might have actually genuinely said yes oh yeah yeah Yeah, he was fully prepared to and we get Cass's line where he's like, maybe they wrongly assumed Dean would be brave enough to withstand them. And that's when we get the, you know what? Blow me, Cass. But like, <laughs> it's so funny. Cass is savage this episode and I oh, fucking yeah. love it. Extra bitchy and I love it. It's great. The whole sequence when they're first at Bobby's, Cass is just glaring at Dean. Like he's oh, yeah. literally <laughs> not taking his eyes off of him. And I am obsessed with it. I think it's... <laughs> Just so fun. He's like watching his every move. Like, I will end you if you. <laughs> sorry, you want to talk about Adam and yeah, I completely sorry, we derailed. Yeah, no. I derailed. Yeah, no, that was that was absolutely what I wanted to say about Adam. Um, I just can't remember if there was anything else I wanted to say about Adam. Um, aside from that, I fucking love him. Oh, he just is very casual. Like, oh, I was dead. Like, yeah, I was in heaven. That's one of my favorite things that people who've come back from the dead on the show could possibly do, which is be really cavalier about it. I will say, uh, Dean also gets knocked out by Cass three different times in this episode and wakes up at Bobby. I love, though, that Cass has learned enough from Dean now that he's also like, if I've got someone that I need to protect, I'm taking them to Bobby's. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. Because that's Dean's fucking go-to move. I love the scene where, like, Cass tracks him down and he says to the the guy, he's like, you pray too loud. And I'm like, wow, savage. (laughs) But then he's, like, beating Dean up in the alley. And he's like, I rebelled for this. I gave everything for you. And this is what you give to me. And I, first of all, think it's like a really interesting scene, like for both of them as characters, because you can really see Dean, like he's not even really trying to fight back. He's just like kind of letting it happen, right? Yeah. Which I think is interesting in terms of like Dean's characterization and thinking about like his experience, like we talked about, touched on earlier, like with John as a kid. And like, it's easier to just let someone take their anger out on you than to try like if you put up a fight you're only going to make it worse kind of thing but I also like Dean's obviously kind of just like on the train of like well if I die I die to the point where he even says to Cass like just like just do it like just kill me just do it and I do think it's interesting it's like a forcible reminder to Dean that (laughs) Cass is not just some nerdy dude in a trench coat and normally he doesn't let people just manhandle him only Dean ever gets to do that (laughs) and I think Dean forgets this and he even mentions later, like, don't piss off the nerd angels. Just because but... they all look like accountants. <laughs> but the thing about that scene is every time I see it, it makes me think of this one TikTok edit I saw 
where you know that song that got really popular for a hot minute and it's that country song it's very like homoerotic but it wasn't intended to be and it's kind of like I kind of want to thank him I kind of want to punch him out I kind of want to push him up against the wall kind of want to buy him yeah around. yeah I know the song. yeah <laughs> and every time I see the scene it's like that song is playing in my head this episode is just wild it is wild this is the most effective Sam's puppy dog eyes have literally ever been. <laughs> I mean, he tries yeah. a lot, and sometimes it's effective, and sometimes it's not. But Dean fully was, like, prepared to say yes to Michael. And then, like, Sam gave him the biggest puppy dog eyes of his actual life. <laughs> and Dean changed his mind. I mean, Zachariah didn't help. If Zachariah had actually just played this, like, a little bit more chill and hadn't, like, made Adam and Sam start hemorrhaging, I mm. think everybody would have got what they fucking wanted out of this like interaction except sam <laughs> except, i mean obviously except for sam i just wanted to say that i love that zachariah when he figures out what dean has done and he like i had a note that was like dean is a genius and i love him like when michael's on his way and he's like of course i have a few conditions you know i'm like oh yes baby boy i love you but then zach like figures out that he's gonna like die like he knows that dean is right like once Michael has his vessel, like, Zachariah is immediately expendable, right? You were gonna die anyway, because they were gonna kill yeah. you. Unionize! Right? <laughs> but Dean said, oh no, Zach says to Dean, you are a maggot inside of a worm's ass, and I'm like, that is so fucking unnecessary. Like, what a while. At this point, we gotta stop pretending that the Winchesters are important just to make us feel better as cosmic beings. Like, Angels and demons actually need to, like, stop pretending that the Winchesters aren't shit. Because they fucking are. Everybody cares who they are, what they're doing, all the time. We gotta stop being like, oh, like, you're a maggot, or like, you're a mud monkey, or, like, whatever else it is that, like, the angels and the demons, like... Unfortunately, yes, they are a maggot, yes, they are a mud monkey, but God has decided that they're his floorboards. particular ones are floorboards, and <laughs> what they do matters. What's that Tumblr post where it's like, I know we make fun of the angels for not understanding that like Cass will always choose Dean, like no matter the ultimatum, like he will always choose Dean. And that's like, but if you think about it from their perspective, like Cass literally fell in love with a bug and it took him about 30 seconds. And then from that point on, he was like, I'm going to reject my entire family for this fucking bug. <laughs> and it's just some dude. Some guy wearing flannel. <laughs> Grand scheme of how old Cass is mm-hmm. compared to like how long he's known Dean Winchester for, it is actually insane how loyal he is to that. Yeah, Cass is so fucking loyal to Dean in this. Like, uh, this episode is the episode where it's like Cass is in love with Dean, and it's so obvious. Like, on top of like the like beating the shit out of Dean because like he rebelled and like he like fell from heaven basically and like left all of this, straight up is willing to sacrifice himself in this episode. If that will stop Dean from saying yes to Michael. He would rather be dead than see Dean say yes. It's like that whole thing, like, then I won't have to watch you fail, which is so interesting to me. Like, you know, thinking about a particular episode from season 10 Mm -hmm. and the line of, like, I can't say it because Jamie's here. (laughs) But basically, it's like an interesting, like, change for me. Mm -hmm. And also that particular fight scene is, like, switched as well because Dean is... Like, Cass is just letting him do what he needs to do. It's very difficult to explain without spoilers. But anyone who knows, knows. <laughs> the episode with the Steins. Yes, yeah. That particular, at the end of that episode, that fight scene is the one that I'm talking about. Yeah. See, because now all I'm thinking is um, R.L. Stein and the Goosebumps novels. Oh. 
spooky. <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, we already mentioned about Cass taking off his tie, but after Cass takes off his tie, he also like rips his shirt fully open because mm-hmm. uh, he has yeah. like sigil carved into his chest. It's Lotamisha getting undressed. <laughs> this transfers into the point I wanted to make earlier about Cass really nicely. So. <laughs> Cass is theoretically at like half strength, right? Because he's rebelled against heaven anyway. Yeah. He's still out here, like, even without his clever trick that he did to kill the four angels. He killed two angels at the start of the episode without mm-hmm. even breaking a sweat. Like, he was like, mm, oh, yeah. no, you're dead now. He was like, I'm really going to be the most badass motherfucker, despite the fact I'm only at yeah. half strength. I'm still going to be out here killing other angels. Winchesters do take it for granted, like how badass in a fight Cass is. Like when Cass is saying to them over and over again, like I was a warrior of heaven, I fucking led army. It's like they're not paying fucking attention. <laughs> and that's the thing when Dean's like, "Oh, he's just like a nerdy little dude." I'm like, "Babe, to you, to everyone else, he's a psycho killing machine." <laughs> what are you talking about? An attempted child murderer. Attempted child murderer. <laughs> Killed a lot of people, Dean. But like, also, like, you're really judging a book by its cover because Cass mm-hmm. has some shit going on that you refuse to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think this just supports the reading that, like, it is not an accident that Cass was the one who managed to save Dean from hell. No, not at all. Yeah, no. He is out here being less blessed by divine power than these other presumably fully powered angels, mm-hmm. and Even he's assume. still out here murdering them left, right, and center. Because no matter what the plan was with Adam, I'm assuming the plan was not for two more angels to get murdered. That does not pan out nicely for the grand plan. And also, like, I think it's, I think they don't really draw attention to it in this episode outside from maybe the scene in the alley where Cass is literally pushing Dean up against the wall and being like, you know, remember all that shit I've done for you? But like, let's make out now. (laughs) These are not just like random people that like Cass is taking out these are his literal siblings mm-hmm. like this is his family that he is straight up murdering because he believes in the cause and like for him to be like I just literally murdered two of my siblings came back to Bobby's and you're gonna sit here and be like mm, well actually you know I don't care anymore like no wonder Cass is so pissed this whole episode but no I I fucking love badass motherfucker Cass carving the fucking vanishing symbol into his own chest like what an icon but also what a lunatic also what a dramatic motherfucker yeah like there is no reason like obviously strategically like it works really nicely but like there are other solutions he's so tactical i do love it he's so tactical but he also does so much for the drama oh yeah like there other solutions other than carving it into his own chest. I do love the shock factor of it. It though. was effective. It was very effective. It's reminding me of like Pokemon. Castiel used an <laughs> It was super effective. <laughs> oh, this is the hundredth. It's the hundredth episode of the show. <laughs> so we're having KBJ back for number two hundred. I would yeah, love to be back sure. for two hundred. Two hundred is great. <laughs> oh, actually, put me down for Lebanon though. <laughs> actually, do you know what? Yeah. I will take Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Mm, no, <laughs> I would want you on Lebanon. <laughs> I do happen to love the episode right after Lebanon does happen to be one of my personal favorites, but like, I think I'll be funnier on Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be on brand for the episodes you've currently been on. I just assume that trend will continue as well. Like, I think that's a safe bet. <laughs> like, you guys just say words. Yeah. And then I meant to live with them. <laughs> 
I don't agree with that. I think that's really like I think that's discriminatory towards me <laughs> as a first time viewer. Well, here's some additional words for you, Jamie. And yes. the words are trolley problem. <laughs> <laughs> Debate about whether or not we should say yes to Michael really does boil down to the trolley problem. It's just instead of like one versus and five people, it's like four versus eight billion people. <laughs> and that's also not quite that simple. Yeah. <laughs> it, because the equation is not Dean dies, but then they save everyone else on Earth. or And it's also not... Dean dies and four billion people die. Or like theoretically Dean maybe dies and everybody else does as well. Yeah. Or a secret third option that nobody's worked out yet. It's one of those things where it's a lose-lose regardless of how you look at it and it's just trying to pick like the lesser of the evils but the problem is what, what the lesser of the, the evils is? is well I was just gonna say the problem is that like you're so right it's the trolley problem but it's not specifically like the original trolley problem it's the trolley problem where you add in the factor of like the one person you could kill is someone you know personally so it's not like <laughs> four strangers and then one stranger it's one person you know and love versus four strangers and like you know, the math is the same. What would y'all do if, if y'all were the, the vessel? Like, would we say yes or not? Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're Sam, you have to say no because it's Lucifer. And that just seems like a bad idea. I don't know, KJ. That seems like a hot take. I feel like, you know, maybe we're not considering the whole, you know, scope of the situation here. <laughs> I just really like Lucy. Like, I think Lucy gets a bad rap. <laughs> yeah, I, think I mean, we really need to be a bit more understanding. Like, he's just out here trying to do his job. Like... <laughs> God was like, here's your job, do it. And now we're being like really mean to him for wanting to do his job. He's just trying to do what he thinks is right. Like he is just doing his best. <laughs> Jamie, you're fighting really hard to commit a genocide. He's a, <laughs> he's a bit like John Winchester, just trying to do the best for his team. Like as far as they currently know, Lucifer's plan is kill every single human being that exists. So I feel like, okay, like just taking that, that whole half of that out of the equation so we don't have to wrestle with that aspect of it. Hey, 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 I think you're doing Zachariah a disservice. Zachariah is also trying to murder everyone on the planet. Yes, he's just much more organized about it. Uh, exactly. He's not like, the backing of the company. <laughs> it's not Lucifer's fault that he did not get a head start the Zachariah did. Okay. And we can't hold that against him. Okay. But if but... you say you're Michael's vessel specifically, um, you're in Dean Winchester's shoes, like what are y'all doing? I mm, I I mean it's 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 a really difficult like position to be in. Like, do you have an opinion? Depends how much bargaining power Dean actually would have. Because I feel like if you could secure if I could secure my loved one's survival, I feel like that adds a very large level of temptation see i feel like though if i've been through all of the shit that dean's already been through i just don't trust the angels like yeah. i i just don't trust that they want to save four million people like i just i don't think they want to save half the world yeah i think that no matter whether you know you say yes to lucifer or you say yes to michael i just don't think that, that anybody cares about humanity i don't think the plan from either side is for any humans to live I actually don't think that I would or could ask that my family or loved ones survive. And my reasoning for this is that if I am making a choice that I know is going to kill 4.5 billion people, I don't think that I have any right to be like, as long as the people that I like don't die, you know? Like, yeah, 
fair. Not to shade you for what you just said. No, 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 I I love how I, you're I'm, like, I'm immediately just gonna be like, you're a terrible person, Kay. Okay? So it's <laughs> totally jot that down. It, it's totally valid, but I just I don't think that I could personally do it because I don't think that I could be like, I am okay with this outcome as long as the people that I care about live. Like if I'm gonna make this decision, I have to make the decision with the full understanding that probably it's not going to go great. And like, I can't justifiably be like, oh, well, as long as like Jamie, like, you know, survives. Knowing like you would that- save me. In- knowing Do you that- hear this? <laughs> She's not going to save me in the event of an apocalypse. God chose you. You're one of God's foremost now to end up here. <laughs> in my head, I had been like, okay, I'm going to save my family. But I hadn't actually considered like how well the world would function post fight. Like we don't really know what the impact of of an archangel on archangel violence is going to be like the that's some avengers endgame endgame level shit like yeah it's not going to be it's not going to be people just like thanos stepping out either like i'm assuming that the reason people are going to be dead is because of some like impact on the planet that makes part of the planet inhospitable i'm imagining tsunamis and fires and you know as we know, I don't want to. I don't want to live through the apocalypse if I can't sleep in and watch Netflix on Saturdays. So that's a mood. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, maybe I don't need to say. Maybe my family doesn't want to be saved. So you're saying yes to Michael as long as you get to keep your Netflix. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Michael's already offered a fairly good deal. I do like that Michael has thrown in that he's like not gonna like fry Dean's brain on like exit of his body which implies that he plans on exiting at some point so that's Mm. good (laughs) it's more like an airbnb than a rental i feel like lucifer um and sam i feel like might not have the same thing i feel like if lucifer if sam says yes to lucifer i feel like lucifer's in sam for like centuries whereas i do feel like michael's like okay i'm in for the fight and then i'm dipping out again michael seems way like he cares way less ultimately like i he's he's kind of there but he's like oh this is just like a chore that i have to do like michael is kind of treating this like oh dad asked me to do the dishes but like lucifer is treating this like murdering your brother <laughs> like i feel like michael is like he's like dipping in doing the bare minimum he has to and then fucking off because he has other shit that he'd rather be doing but for lucifer this is like his whole focus oh, yeah. like yeah like lucifer's really like i'm gonna make this my entire personality <laughs> Lucifer has a cause, and Michael's like, I gotta, I gotta fight Lucifer, I gotta deal I with guess. this. <laughs> I think when it comes down to it, like, if I'm in Dean's shoes, and I have, like, three options. One, say no to Michael. Two, say yes to Michael. Or three, I think in this episode, we have the line where he's like, Sam's like, there's another way. And Adam's like, oh, yeah, what? And Dean's like, well, right now, we're working on the power of love. And Adam's like, oh, yeah, how's that going? And Dean's like, not great. Which also, side note, <laughs> I love the concept that, like, gay love could pierce the veil of death to save the day is like low-key relevant here (laughs) but you know if those are my three options yeah I say yes I say no or like secret third option that we haven't come up with I feel like I'm probably leaning towards saying yes because and just like getting through the fight like and hoping for the best in terms of like statistics you know it's the better odds which is kind of the argument that they're making here like Boils down to the trolley problem of like yeah. save the most people you can save. And like even if we look back at Dean's recent experiences talking to Pamela in Dark Side of the Moon, you know, and she says like 
is it really so bad? Like, people die, then they come here. And, like, not everyone will. Some people will go to hell because that's just how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. But, like... Some of the people who are going to die are going to suck out of four and a half billion people. Yeah. But also those people, if they sucked and they were going to go to hell anyway, they would have eventually gone to hell at some point. You know, like, it's not like he's causing them damnation. Like, they were going to die and go to hell because of their own choices. And actually, at the end of the day, he might actually be saving some people from going to hell because they haven't had time to do whatever they were going to do to get sent to hell. Yeah. And so I think ultimately, just based on statistics, I would probably say yes. But I I don't love it as a choice, (laughs) you know? While we're talking um, about Michael's motivation, this is something maybe specifically for Jamie to keep in mind as a first-time viewer. Ever since God left, which we don't have an exact date or time on, but we can assume it was it's been like a long-ass time mm-hmm. since God was around in heaven. It's got to be at least since the Supernatural books started being published. Like, <laughs> but like we're like what to believe it's been like a long fucking time since anybody saw God even the angels and like michael's just been up in heaven running shit perfectly you know things have been chugging along as intended for the last like however many millennia and uh take note of how many fucking angels have already died <laughs> in just like the last two seasons yeah actually and that is mu- a good how point. much shit in heaven the winchesters fuck up over the next few seasons it is wild i've done a few tiktoks about it i think i'm probably gonna do an episode about it at some point like the impact of the Winchesters on the geopolitics of heaven. <laughs> well, even I think that we find out that Cass was one of 200 angels who were sent to hell. Like, I feel like we get yeah. that number at some point in season four or early five. And so that means that just in raising Dean, they lost 199 angels, which is not yeah. an insignificant amount, especially yeah. because, oh, and actually, Jamie, this is something that you don't know, but it's not a spoiler, so I can tell you. Angels you have to like deliberately make them and like god can make angels but god is who knows where so when the angels are dying they're not being replaced like so the angels aren't fucking no no that's why Cass was a virgin (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly the angels like every time an angel dies heaven's population is dropping Mm -hmm. and they're not getting replaced so like thinking about like they lost Almost 200 angels just in Dean being raised, mm-hmm. plus every angel they've killed since then. Yeah. Like, that's just po- heaven's population just dropping. So do we know roughly how many angels there were at the start of the season? No, we don't. No. Like, we, we are we don't. talking hundreds? Are we talking thousands? Are we talking... I think we can safely say thousands. We can mm-hmm. safely say so thousands. Like ten thousands or hundreds of thousands. No. Like, like hang on a minute. It doesn't seem like it. Like, maybe know. somewhere in the, like, one to five thousand sort of range. Damn it, should I start counting? Because, like, we just started season four. Should I add that to the statistics list? Do it. We've only recorded one episode of season four. If there's ever a time to be adding to a list like that, I'm doing it. I'm putting it on the tracker. I want to know at what point you classify. Okay, so a species is classified as endangered when there are fewer than 2,500 mature individuals. When a species population declines by at least 20% within five years or two generations, it is also classified as endangered. Oh, I feel like that that qualifies. I feel like we're here. I'm going to say that angels, like, I would say that they probably don't start with more than 5,000. And to be fair, I'm pulling that number out of my ass. But Just based on what we... Based on how many of them we see through the seasons and then, like, knowing how, like, plot stuff happens with heaven and that, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say we probably don't start with more than Mm 5,000. And also remembering how 
powerful they are, you probably don't need more than that. And seeing as God had to specifically like create each one of them. I don't know why he continued making angels after Zachariah though. He already achieved perfection. At least stop with Cass, I feel. Yeah, exactly. So I would classify angels as... He made Cass, Cass went slightly wonky and he was like, "Mm, that's it, I'm retiring. (laughs) We should stop. We should stop here actually. (laughs) So Castiel's like the ultimate younger brother. I would probably classify angels as pretty rapidly heading towards the endangered mm-hmm. species list. Yeah. Yeah. And Cass is out there murdering like six people this episode. Which is why I pointed that out because like I wanted to make a point of like this is actually way more serious than they're at all like spending time on. Mm-hmm. Like Cass is doing something that is like he's not only debilitating heaven pretty severely but also he's murdering his family members. Mm-hmm. Murdering your family members is bad enough generally, but when you're an endangered species and no one's repopulating, it's somehow even worse. And it's a bit like Cain and Abel, isn't it? <laughs> and a bit like their descendants who are destined to fight each other as, as not not meat suits anymore, Muppets this week. <laughs> there are Muppets now. I will be pivoting my word usage accordingly. Okay. I love that for you. <laughs> so we've retired meat suit and we've moved on to Muppet. Yeah. How about an early core? Oh, I did have a point. This is just another like queer Dean mm-hmm. uh, moment. But when Sam goes to visit him in the panic room and he's like, I'm tired, Sam. And he says, I'm tired of fighting who I'm supposed to be. And this is immediately after he's just flirted with Cass intentionally and like done the whole wing thing. And I was like- In Sam's face, Sam was there. Right in front of Sam. Like it's literally the like, really in front of my salad like moment I just thought it was really funny that we had like I'm tired of fighting who I'm supposed to be immediately after that moment and I was like what gay like come on babe like Like, on the other hand uh do you mention there's like a Finn parenting Sam like Sam's entire fucking life and he's just so tired of Sam fucking up and I'm also Adam's suddenly back from the dead and Adam immediately wants to start fucking up like she's so done with younger brothers (laughs) and actually we have not even touched on it, but I think we absolutely have to. Bobby and his little bullet that he's been keeping in his pocket. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to go there and then I got distracted and I didn't actually want to go there because Bobby sad. being suicidal is too much for me to handle. I don't want to think about it too hard, but it is very upsetting to me. Oh, yeah. And like, I think that moment of Bobby being like, you know, every day I look at it and every day I don't do it because I promised you that I wouldn't give up. I promised you that I would keep trying. It's essentially a very similar speech that Sam gives. We have to keep trying. Like you can't, you can't give up. I don't want to hear it from you. Like not from you kind of thing, but it's from a very different, it's coming from a very different place. I think that was very sober. I think the boys take Bobby for granted so much and they continue to do it in this episode. Like Sam then later yells at Bobby for not like taking good enough care of Adam even though Lily wasn't Bobby's fault but like so much they just don't think about what Bobby's doing and they just assume he's always going to be there to fucking help them I recently rewatched Weekend at Bobby's and it ooh, let me tell you <laughs> it <laughs> fucked me up yeah as it should as it literally should fucking no one no one is paying attention to what the contributions Bobby's making to the team and it's very annoying and also like Bobby has gone through a pretty like traumatic event this season. Oh, significantly. Everybody else hasn't really had time to think about it, but it's Bob it's affected Bobby's entire life. Yeah, like we touch on it in the curious case of Dean Winchester, but 
we haven't really come back to it since that point. Like there's been no further checking in and it's kind of like, I like to assume that it's happening off screen, but like also they don't shock on the two on their faces when Bobby like whipped that bullet out on the table and was mm-hmm. like, this is the bullet I'm going to kill myself with. That is all the proof I need to know that they have not been checking in on Bobby enough. Like Supernatural in particular really has this sort of, like the culture with within the characters on the show is that they don't really speak about things. Like they just go unsaid. Like you just, you know these things, but you don't talk about it. And like that goes for everything from Dean and Cass being very clearly into each other to Bobby being very clearly not okay. And they just sort of, they know, everyone knows. Everyone is aware of these things, but they just don't talk about them. And like, I think it actually means that when you do have these moments where things are explicitly laid out, it does make them feel more impactful. For example, they don't really like have a lot of open affection in this show. Like there's not much like in the way of like hugging or whatever, right? As like an example. So when you have moments where you do have a hug between characters, it is monumental. It's very, yeah, impactful. And like that shouldn't be a really like oh my god they hugged moment but like when you look at the culture within the show and like you have the context the bare minimum expression of affection actually speaks volumes it's so interesting to me like because yeah like they know that bobby's not doing well they know that but the fact that bobby's actually going to be like hey i'm not okay Mm -hmm. like that's so out of left field for them they're like oh we're talking about we're actually going to acknowledge vocally with our voices this thing that we're all like you know undercurrent aware of and bobby's just yeah bobby's just never one to really complain out loud very much like no he's always there to listen to their problems and oh my sam and dean winchester are actually like the worst friends you could have though because they they only really call when they need something yeah and they don't yeah. call to follow up if they if their problem gets solved and they no longer need your help they do not call to tell you to stop looking the number of times they've put out APVs for people with their police officer friends and then not called to be like, oh yeah, we found them. It's really interesting, like, characters that we get later in the series where, like, they end up being some of the boys, like, closest friends, but we see them maybe once a season, if we're lucky. Yeah, and there's no indication that they know what's going on in their lives in between those interactions. They're not calling and chatting on the phone about what's going on in each other's lives ever. It's the one division. Everything outside of the like sort of realm of the boys just isn't buffered in yet. It's genuinely kind of like that. And then that's so interesting from like a metatextual perspective in terms of like Chuck and like yeah. the fact that this is where he is focused on the story. So like everything around it is just kind of like peripheral crap. The other human beings, you know, the other nine billion people on the planet are not the focus of Chuck's narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the boys. And then it's like occasionally we get other stuff. Actually, it's kind of like Zachariah this episode saying to Adam, if it's any consolation, you happen to be the illegitimate half-brother of the guy we do care about. (laughs) That was pretty good. Yeah. Again, Zachariah appreciation for a minute here, because like they just keep on giving him all the best lines and then acting like he's not the funniest motherfucker in this entire show. Yeah. Which I think is just really rude of them. I love that your campaigns have become like justice for Ruby, the true starter of the apocalypse, and justice for Zachariah, the true funniest angel in the garrison. Like <laughs> They just deserve the accolades. They keep on doing all of the work and <laughs> no reward. So true, honestly. Oh, I did have one final note that I want to address. 
there's a line here where the tumblers clicking into place and i just thought is is tumblr the supernatural hillside at this point <laughs> i think probably it's getting there like i think post misha joining the cast i think is when it really like started mm. to really take off yeah but i don't know it wasn't really around back then so someone who was around back then please inform us <laughs> yeah actually that's a great point because we were all probably too young to to be there well jamie wasn't going to be there anyway but KJ and i were definitely too young to be there so yeah if anyone remembers when supernatural like hit that first wave of tumblr popularity when was tumblr like when did it begin what are the like 2007 or something oh okay february of 2007 and this episode was 2010 so it's been around for three years yeah but this episode does predate me joining tumblr because i've been on tumblr since about 2012 i want to say yeah and i was like 2013 2014 Mm. i would be later than that probably like 2014 2015 for me so i have one more point Mm -hmm. and it is about Cass, and i just want to actually i have two but they're very quick. Mm-hmm. So one, when Dean is talking to Sam in the panic room, he pointedly walks toward the light and then sits under it. And it's when they're talking about like Dean wanting to say yes and stuff. And he's doing that whole speech to Sam. And so I thought it was just very fun and interesting that they had him specifically walk towards the light and then sit under it. And it's like the halo imagery. Mm-hmm. It's just the set design. is just lovely. And I enjoyed it. But also when they go to the gaslighting room, Dean is like, it's in California. And Cass is like, where the fuck did you think it was going to be? And he's like, I don't know, Jupiter. And I was like, do you know what? Actually, that's valid. So valid based on the fact that there was no cell reception in the beautiful room. Yeah, right? Not on Earth is probably like a super valid. It definitely felt like it was in fucking space. Right? Because like, I think Dean says either (laughs) Jupiter or like on a blade of grass. And I'm like, yeah, both of those (laughs) options are totally valid things to think. I also assumed it was like a pocket dimension or something. Yeah, I also would not have assumed Van Nuys, California. It's probably not on my list. Yeah, but I love that Cass is so pissy about it. (laughs) Not to drag us back into dates, but I have, I googled the date of the point of no return when it aired. 15th of April, 2010. Okay, normal date. It suggested other things that people search for. Turns out the dark side of the moon aired on April Fool's Day in 2010. Boy, oh boy. Imagine it's April Fool's Day and you turn on your favorite TV show, Supernatural, and both the Winchesters die in like the opening scene. <laughs> Get pranked. <laughs> and it's April Fool's Day. It's April Fool's Day. Both Winchesters are shotgunned down. God, I don't know where this came from, but like this week it's been going I've seen it a bunch of times this week. Someone did some interview. I want to say it might have been Jab or some other like long running show producer person. But like basically they were talking about the one concept that they couldn't make work and that means that every other fucking concept that they've ever had they did and that explains so much about this show i saw that the mystery spot cast talked about this it came up on my tiktok oh yeah that makes sense jamie you probably don't know but basically the gist of it is that they were interviewing and it came out that there was only one script of supernatural that ever got discarded across 15 seasons which means that every single other episode that they thought of, they were like, no, we're going to make this work, right? Which doesn't that just explain so much? Bugs? Yeah, literally. Oh so- my God, we, there was a, I need to tell you, KJ, because I think it's really funny. There was a post <laughs> that Beth sent me the other day and she was like, okay, so it's like a poll on Tumblr. I was like, 
which episode yeah. is the funniest episode pre-season four to add Cass into? Right, so it's got the obvious ones there. Houses of the Holy, Faith, all of the yeah, big like heavy tactical ones. Yeah, Sarah Gamble, Long Con. I said, no, funniest episode to put them in, bugs. Misha <laughs> Collins has to deal with real life bugs. <laughs> she was like, I really just want to put Misha Collins in a room with a thousand bees. <laughs> Any of the flashback, like kid flashback Winchester episodes, I feel like it's a good place to throw a cast just because like, it's nice to know that somebody was fucking looking after them. Genuinely. I said to Jamie, I was like, my headcanon is that Cass has always been there. He's just fucking around being invisible. Honestly, why not? (laughs) So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Jamie and KJ, if you want to voice your opinion here as well, how would you rate it out of five? I'm going to give it four out of five. Zacky boy on my screen always bumps it up points. <laughs> Cass yeah. is just iconic also in this episode. I would probably maybe give it a little bit more, but Zacky boy does die. So I know I'm not really going to get him back again, which makes me a little bit sad. But, you know, don't regret what we didn't have. Just cherish what we've got. <laughs> and what we've got is one of the most iconic TV characters of all time in Zacky boy. Actually, I think he's one of the only characters where like every single time he's on my screen I love him maybe the only exception being the time that he used the word MILF unironically <laughs> like that's probably the that's even probably then, my least favorite Zachariah moment and even perfectly that in character like, he, he wants a result and he knows how to get it like yeah like that's my least favorite Zachy moment but honestly it's still kind of like a top tier meme it's like that thing where it's like I don't know if KJ, you've ever seen this before. I'm assuming Jamie hasn't, but like every now and again, you get like a post that comes around Tumblr or whatever. And it's like, pick which dialogue from Supernatural is fake. And it's like a couple of like gift sets or whatever. And this one shows up a lot. And it's like, <laughs> did they really say milk? <laughs> I don't know what I would want to rate this episode. Four doesn't feel like enough, but like 4.5 feels like too much. I'm going to go like 4.5, I think. It's a really solid episode for me. Um, It's got... The Sam we have is really good. Um, I think it's like the best possible way they could have really brought Adam back without it being like super tacky. I just think they should have called this episode Too Jump Too Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like obviously like the angel stuff's really good and like it really, I don't know, it, it's a fun episode um, for like apocalypse stuff. Like the apocalypse stuff's yeah. getting serious. Uh, if we're pulling backup Winchesters out of, out of death. <laughs> The angels are real serious about this apocalypse thing going down. I mean, we're coming up to the end of the season, so they've kind of got to... I was going to say, we only have, like, what, three, four more episodes? I love this episode so much. And it's so funny. Like, I forgot what happens in this episode. And <laughs> I this seems to happen to me a lot. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, like, know Supernatural pretty well. And then I watch an episode, I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot about this. To the point where, like, we got about two minutes into this episode, and I paused it, and I looked at Jamie, and I was like, oh, my God, I've just remembered what episode this is, and I'm so excited. <laughs> And like, you'd think that I'd prepare more than this, but unfortunately I don't. But no, I love this episode. I also would probably give it a 4.5 because I can't really fault any of it too harshly. Like obviously Zach dies and that sucks, but I also kind of love his death. Like I love that Dean genuinely outsmarts him and that's how he dies because- We've not barely even talked about Dean outsmarting Zach Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, I mentioned it before when I was like, Dean's a genius and I love him and that's about as far as we got. (laughs) I like the, the manner of his death. I like that we got so much content from him in this episode. My only real criticism is the fucking shaky cam they used for some reason. That just feels like Phil Segrisha being Phil Segrisha. Like, man's got a signature. 
and that like honestly that comes down to personal preference like obviously they were going for some kind of disorientating like effect and like it works I just don't like it so that's not me not them and I think that like this episode just really had it all like it had some classic supernatural queer baiting it had some humor it had some plot stuff it had you know depressing character beats you know questionable things in the post so I think uh yeah 4.5 for me personally the next episode, Jamie, is called Hammer of the Gods. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, or predictions? Look, this may just be because I brought up Percy Jackson before, <laughs> but like, I'm I'm getting like Thor vibes, like oh, younger. Okay. And I know that Percy Jackson is Greek, and that's Norse, but like, I'm just feeling like maybe we'll meet actual Loki because they make a reference about mm. how the tricksters like Loki. Maybe we'll meet like maybe an actual trickster or like actual Loki or something like that. Oh, and do you think Cass will be in next week's episode? No, I I feel <laughs> like we've so sad. too much Cass content lately to have Cass in next episode. Okay. Yeah, it's been around a lot. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, Misha's contract is not that yeah. extensive. Also, he did self-banish himself. So, I, Yeah, we actually don't know where Cass is at the end of this episode. Yeah. He's just yeeted He's off. He's not accounted for. <laughs> He's MIA, technically. So, so I do feel like it's a lot to ask for the Winchesters to locate him in a timely manner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, this is like entirely off topic, but do you guys think that Bobby has the Enochian carving on his ribs? I would hope so, but I don't feel like he does. Because he should. I feel like they would have mentioned it if he did, but like it doesn't make sense for him to not. Mm. So especially considering how easy it was for Cass to do it this episode to Adam. And also D- Bobby was there when Dean and Sam first had it done because, or like in the same sort of vicinity because they got the x-rays mm. while Bobby was in hospital. And also they keep on saying things like, oh, the angels can't find us. Where could the Winchesters possibly be? It's like Bobby's. That's what made me think about this episode. I was like, yeah, but look for Bobby. <laughs> like they're probably Shit's going down. Him. They're probably with Bobby. Mm. That I would say probably yes. Um, it does feel like something that they would forget to do, to be honest. But like, I hope if he does that he like couldn't really feel it when Cass did that because it seems yeah. like it hurts. Maybe he did it while he was still if in hospital. So he at least if you're had, gonna like, have a spinal injury, like you should at least not have to feel like your ribs being carved with a Nokia. <laughs> So that brings us to the end end of today's episode. Hopefully you had just as much fun listening as we had recording. And this is your friendly reminder that we have a survey open at the moment, which you can absolutely go and fill out and leave all of your answers to the questions. There is some stuff about supernatural and your experience and your preferences. And there is also some stuff asking for feedback for the podcast. So thank you so much to everyone who has already filled it out. We've very much enjoyed reading through all of your answers. It's been very fun. And yeah, we would really appreciate anyone who hasn't already given their thoughts if they wanted to chime in uh, so that we have some feedback going into Gamble Era. And I think that's it. Yeah. Kata, did you want to plug yourself, plug your pods? I mean, people, we assume people I mean, know by now. Yeah. We, did, we barely I mean, even introduced you at the start. Yeah. <laughs> you can find um, Supernatural Opinions anywhere you listen to podcasts. And um, I usually hang out on either TikTok or Twitter. Um, Twitter is at SBN Opinions Pod and TikTok is at SBN Opinions KJ. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and hopefully we have you back next week for Hammer of the Gods. Bye. Bye. Bye.